skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like shared interests, dating people with baggage, and reopening doors. But mm. before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not in any way licensed to do this, to provide any right. sort of advice. Uh, and yet we do it every day. Not at so. all. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we do it anyway. <laughs> yes, we are not professionals. We are not trained in this. Please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings, and they get more humble every fucking episode, honestly. No, seriously. <laughs> You'd think that I would get, like, more confident, but um, anyway, we're just here to offer our humble musings, so hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing uh, experience that is love. All right. Hello, Samuel. Hello. Here we are. How are you? Here we are in episode, I think, 102, maybe? I don't know. Um, okay, so the check-in topic, I've been sitting on it for a couple months. Um, somebody DM'd me on Twitter, and I'm sorry to that person. Like, I don't have the message up, so I don't remember your name. Um, like, two months ago, before um, basically 
the world uh, started um, rightfully rioting um, about, and they texted me about this, this question, this check-in topic that I thought, I thought was really cute and lighthearted. And you and I have been postponing, I, I DM'd them back and I was like, oh my God, we'll do that this week. <laughs> and then, um, you know, shit hit the fan and we, it just was, ne- it was never the right time. And there were so many other things we wanted to talk about. But today we're going to do it because uh, we're both tired. We had, there are a lot of things going on in our personal lives. And I just want a light, funny check-in topic, which is, uh, how do you feel about the post-breakup haircut? And if is it a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so charming. I think it's such a charming question. And I'm very grateful to answer it today. So do you, is that, is that a thing for you? Is that a thing that you do post breakup? No. Um, my hairstyle doesn't really change much. So. Because it's perfect. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I've ever gotten a haircut after a breakup. Like the idea has just never occurred to me to do it, but I do know people who have like, you you know, shaved their heads or like dyed their hair platinum blonde after a breakup. Which yeah, so I get it. Yeah, you did get a mustache after a pandemic. Well, technically, we're still in it. <laughs> That's right, we're still in the pandemic. But maybe you were like breaking up with normal non-pandemic life, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something special and different. Like I'll show my old life pre-pandemic what they're missing. That's true. I felt very liberated um, from my old yeah. life and was like, mustache. Here we go. Life's too short to you not have a mustache. <laughs> You were meant to have that mustache. Um, I have definitely done the post breakup haircut, and I think the like not to get all like unlicensed, not real therapist on this. I think it's like it's the idea that you're gonna take a leap for yourself. You're gonna give yourself that gift, and you're gonna look smoking hot and different, and um, it's gonna make you feel better about yourself because you took this leap. And it's going to make your ex or whoever like broke your heart or whatever um, second guess what a cool, independent, liberated person they broke up with. Um, yeah, that's one way to look at it, it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, or it's just like an act of self-care or something that you've been avoiding or, you know, like change your hair, change your life sort of thing. Um, I have definitely done it. Um, I think that the big time that I did it, I, I like chopped my hair I kept my hair long for a really long time and I I chopped my hair like maybe took like four or five inches off of it and that was really nice because I think I was that breakup particularly was about me like shedding shedding some old bad habits and some some I don't know 140 pound baggage however much she weighed very Very skinny skinny man Um, (laughs) (laughs) weirdly skinny and light for how tall he was um anyway uh but I that was like liberating for me for different reasons. And I was lucky enough that the haircut looked good. (laughs) Whereas like the only thing, the only stupid advice I'll give is that like, you don't want to change your hair to the point where you could risk um, feeling really depressed about yourself. You know, Mm. Um, I've definitely gotten a haircut or dyed my hair and like cried afterwards. And I don't mean that in a superficial way, but like that it, that it all of a sudden it makes you feel very tender and self-conscious and not the empowered badass that you want to feel like. Um, and I, and I feel like you're running a risk 
if you if you do a big personal visual change on yourself post breakup. Mm-hmm. This is the light sort of life-changing fodder that I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that risk that you're talking about is always inherent in any time when we're relying on like our physical appearance to be the thing that gives us the confidence we need to get over something, right? Like, <laughs> See, this is why I literally need you as my, my second half, because I'm like... Yeah, like haircuts are fun, but like don't do a too big one. And then you're like, well, you know, when you base yourself worth on your appearance, you're bound to hurt yourself. Anyway, please keep going and sounding smarter than me. No, I mean, I think I need it. I am all for the the post breakup haircut because I think I think that like it's helpful for people to to recognize that they have control over their body, right? I think especially as like yes. relationships are beginning to break up, it feels like we have no control over the person that we're breaking up with or who's breaking up with us or like the fact that we're feeling so um so sad, but um and so like I think that it can be super liberating to be like, well, this is a thing I have control over and so I'm gonna do it, right? But if the motivation yes. is like, I'm going to look so ba- badass that my ex is going to regret the fact that they broke up with me. Well, then you run the risk of like really fucking yourself over. <laughs> right. Because like, <laughs> right. If it's about like sort of taking control of over your body and being like, this is something that I have control over and I'm going to focus on that. It's great. But if it's about like, I'm going to base my whole self-worth on whether or not this haircut looks good, then we're running into problems because like. Listen, and what? if like I'm going to base my whole self-worth on like um, if if my haircut looks good, my ex will text me or something, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it weirdly has to be about you and your and the gift that you're giving yourself, which is may or may not be this haircut or this self-care time, you know, because it is it is nice to have people touch your head. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you consent um, and like don't ask to touch people's heads <laughs> just like yeah. don't touch people's yeah. hair in general <laughs> this is a great start <laughs> <laughs> what? i just needed i needed something light i needed something not like i the 2020 man 2020 no, has real. been so it's and i just needed something light and fun um what is the worst haircut that you've ever gotten uh Oh, good question. Um, I cut off all my hair in eighth grade, mm-hmm. and I'm talking like, I'm talking like, t- was attempting a pixie cut, but was actually probably like one inch too long, <laughs> so it was nice and fuzzy. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like not 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 fuzzy, but like it was long enough to not be able to like shape it to my head. Also, picture this: fourteen. I don't think I had gotten my period yet, but was about to. So it was like that nice cusp of girlhood. And puberty that like is weird, weird. <laughs> and um, I had just gotten braces. I just discovered hair gel. Um, I just discovered ska music, and I just gotten my nose pierced. Wow. So yeah, uh, you know, like not for nothing. Ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, also. I want the one more one more fact I want to one more like piece of uh, color I want to add to this painting is that at a haberdashery, a hat store, I wear size XL 
So like it, I just oh, I just have a huge head that's misshapen. So like tiny haircuts are not a good look on me. End of story. I'm just picturing you like 14 years old in the bathroom of your dad's house, which is like where I assume this happened. And it's a very funny yep. picture to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I still cannot believe that you and Spencer went to my dad's house. But that is a totally different thing that is totally off topic. So we're not going to talk about it. What about you? What is your worst haircut? Um, when I was in college, I didn't have a lot of money to pay for haircuts. So I would always go to the local, um, like, I don't even, esthetologist school. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And where they would, where like people could practice on you and it would be really cheap. Um, and so I did that. And it was clear that this person <laughs> had never cut um, a short hairstyle because she literally gave me bangs. Um Oh my god! And then like brought the instructor over, and the instructor was like, "Oh, okay," <laughs> and had to like spend the next thirty minutes trying to salvage my hair. Um, and oh and my god. they did not do a very successful job. Um, but oh my god, <laughs> it was fine. It was college. Like my hair in college yeah. was a was a real treat to behold. Let me tell y'all. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I okay. Last question though. Like, what would you let's imagine? You know, let's let's throw out your or let's 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 call out your childhood name that you wish you were called. You know, let's pretend we're in another universe where you are Viper, right? <laughs> uh-huh. That was the, the name that you wanted to be called, yep. right? And but you're Viper and you're married to Peter, but something goes horribly wrong and you guys break up. Um, and like, what is the Ben Affleck back tattoo that you would get? <laughs> Oh, on my body? Like, like awful, like Ben Affleck's horrible tattoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, or like, what life move would you make if your world, if you were Viper and your world came crumbling down? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I would probably buy. And for reference, folks, well, for reference, folks, a Ben Affleck's has a huge, full color, full back tattoo of a phoenix. Um, yes. Uh, End of I think that I would like <laughs> take after my dad and buy a really impractical car. <laughs> like that is how I would spend <laughs> my time. And yeah, money. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is your post breakup haircut. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, I think mine would be. Well, I don't have a lot of money, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm more like going through my head, like, what can I do myself? Uh, let's see. Um. I would probably go on like a month long vacation. <laughs> That's like a light, you know, not Viper esque answer, but I'm just trying to think about like how do you, how do you reset your system? You know, you you leave a space for a while. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't know. Yeah. And then I'd probably get um like shave my head and get a forehead tattoo. I feel like you would adopt like <laughs> eight dogs. <laughs> A hundred. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and they would all be, I don't know. I always want like the three-legged diabetic ones um, when I look on Pet Finder because mm-hmm. I just, I want to love them so much. Um, okay. I feel like this is a good start to this episode. Do you want to um, get into our letters? Let's do it. Okay. Our first letter is from... Distressed Desi from Boulder, Colorado. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I love your podcast so much and all the advice you give, which is why I'm writing to you today. 
I'm a 24-year-old Desi woman. I grew up in India in an underprivileged community. Growing up, my family didn't have a lot of money for us to vacation abroad or indulge in any of the expensive so-called, quote, white people sports. Then we moved to the U.S. to New York City. However, we still didn't have a lot of money for me and my siblings to indulge in any fancy sports or hobbies. The focus was always on school and getting good grades, you know, like any typical immigrant family. I went to college, studied computer science, and now I live in Colorado and work a pretty decent job that pays well. Because of how and where I grew up, I never tried things like climbing, bouldering, skiing, surfing, mountain biking, etc. And quite honestly, I was very fine with that. I really like to dance and I'm a good dancer. I'm also pretty active. I work out regularly and love going on hikes. I also really like to travel and this is what I spend most of my money and my vacation on pre-COVID days, RIP. Three months ago, I started seeing a guy who was very outdoorsy. He does everything sports and does it well. He kayaks, skis, surfs, climbs, you name it. I still look at most of those sports as too expensive or white people sports, but I'm always happy to indulge and learn. For instance, I went bouldering with a friend before, she, uh, before when she offered to teach me and it went really well and I absolutely enjoyed it. However, I, that guy always made comments to me that I need to be more outdoorsy or he'd say something like, how have you never done this before? I found those comments hurtful sometimes because I never made fun of him for being a bad dancer, for instance. So I always wondered why he can't just respect our different interests and let us do our own thing separately. For those three months, though, there was never a lack of things for us to do. We hung out a ton, watched movies, talked about books and podcasts that we both liked, went on hikes, hung out with friends and played board games, etc. And conversation always flowed so naturally and easily between us. We never ran out of things to talk about. All of a sudden, in the past couple weeks, he was being so flaky and distant. And when I asked him what's up, he said he wanted to end things because he wants to be with someone who is more similar to him. I was afraid that he meant similar in race or religion or culture or background. He's white, by the way. So I asked him to elaborate, and he said he wants to date someone who is even more outdoorsy than he is, someone who shares most of his interests. I was very hurt especially because I emphasized that I'm willing to indulge and learn from him. I also respected his interests and the time he dedicated to them so much and never complained. I always looked up news and events related to his hobbies and sports, and we'd talk about it for hours. I was always happy to hear him talk about the upcoming mountain biking race or what does it mean to hit a double diamond. I was shook that this was the reason he did not want to solidify our relationship and start dating and instead wanted to end things when everything else was going really well. I always thought that having your own time to be able to do your thing with your friends was a sign of a healthy relationship. Sharing all the same interests with someone sounds boring to me. I want someone who can learn, I can learn new things from. Someone who can talk to me about stuff that I've never heard of before and who also listens to me talking about my passions and asks me questions. I thought that this was the healthy and right thing to do, but now I'm hurt and confused. Do you think you need to share all the same interests with your partner? Do you think that it is a good reason to leave someone because you love skiing and they don't? I thought that it's enough to share the same core values and to have mental, physical, and emotional compatibility. I would have never thought that not sharing the same hobbies could be a deal breaker. Please tell me what you think. I'm wrapped up in this self-loathing mindset that is convincing me that I was not enough for him. Love you guys, and thanks for reading. Oh, thank you so much for writing, Desi. Distressed Desi. Um, 
yeah, I'm so sorry that you went through this. Uh, this sucks. And I, I hope that we disrupt some of those self-loathing mindsets. So, Sam, <clears throat> I guess the first question is, do you think you need to share all the same interests with your partner? Uh, no. <laughs> I think that... Correct. Yes, right? like, <laughs> that was a quiz. <laughs> I think I have a what I would hope is a very successful marriage and we do not have the same or we do not have shared interests in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree in my relationship and in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think that it's natural that some of your interests will overlap. Um, for example, Willow and I both love hiking or, you know, being outdoors, but I, um, I think that it's, it is, it is a sign, Desi, of a healthy relationship that you guys have, that you and your partner have separate interests and give yourself the time, space, boundaries, et cetera, to um, explore those interests outside of the relationship. I don't think that that, I just want to say really quickly that I don't think that is the only marker of a healthy relationship and shared or unshared, uh, you know, hobbies and stuff, because sometimes like, Honestly, like sometimes uh, our lives just align with our partners more than other partners, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes like being a poet, right? Like sometimes I've dated poets in the past where a lot of our interests align because our professional and personal lives look really similar. But uh, yeah, I definitely agree with Sam that there, there, there's got to be kind of a healthy balance. But even, even if your interests are the same, there has to be a healthy balance between your time, couple time, and their time. For sure. Right? I mean, look at you. You tried bouldering for this man, and <laughs> I don't even really know what that is, uh, but it sounds... I want you to take a guess. Like, I want, yeah. I'm, my yeah, guess is, is they... that you climb on boulders. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think that's what it is. <laughs> I, full transparency, I don't know either, <laughs> but, like, based on the word, maybe it's like a Sisyphusian thing. Yeah, where you just like push boulders uphill and then like watch them roll back down. <laughs> yeah, that sounds super fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forever. Uh -huh, I'd do that. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So you did this thing. You tried, you, you, you tried out your partner's interests. And um, I guess what I want to touch on more than the, I, like your instincts are all right, Desi. Like that that um you guys were building like a healthy foundation or a sustainable foundation you were interested you know in in spending time with him on his terms and whatnot but i wanted to touch on the idea that like you know the self-loathing mindset is convincing you that you're not enough for him what's really interesting in this particular situation is and in and in other relationships is that like there's a weird, uh, I'm going to like rely on Sam to help me articulate this, but you weren't, it's not that you weren't enough for him, just you weren't right for him. Yeah. And somehow we have to figure out how we can hear that and internalize that without harming ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's just so interesting. We're so susceptible to other people in so many different ways. So much so that in a, in a breakup like this, Desi, you can say, I am not enough. Look at all these hoops I did for you. Look at this bouldering I did for you. Look at all these questions and interests that I had in your life. And then when he says, I don't want to pursue a relationship with you, it, it, it instantly turns back on you as in like, you're not enough. Mm -hmm. um, 
but that's not true. It's not that you weren't enough. You just, you guys weren't right or you weren't compatible or you were. And he just unfortunately decided that, that you're not his cup of tea. Like he doesn't want to move forward with this in one way or another. For sure. But, and that sucks, but yeah. No. And I, um, first of all, don't want to, like, I don't want to fault him. Like, I think that we sort of started off being like, you should have different interests from your partner. Right. But I also think that like, if you are interested in having similar interests as your partner, like that's also fine for you too. Right. Um, Yeah. That's a good clarification. But I also think like the fact that you didn't share his interests wasn't a, um, wasn't like a deficit of yours. Right. It just meant that you were actually more interested in having varied experiences. Right. Um, And that means that you two are just like, not compatible together not that you are lacking something right the fact that he only wants to date someone who is interested in the things that he's interested in makes him incompatible for you right like that makes him like not Mm. a good match for you either fit for you right Mm -hmm. because like you are you're interested in learning about someone you're interested in trying new things you're interested in having your own interests and they having their own interests and like he couldn't live up to that expectation right like you were the one that was like, I want us to have separate lives and have separate interests. And he was like, no, that's impossible for me. I only want to um, I only want to date people who are only interested in what I'm interested in. And I say that not yeah. to like fault him because I think it's totally normal that, and, and like perfectly healthy that he wants to date someone who shares his in- same interests. But I say that in mm-hmm. a way to try and flip the script, right? Like neither of you is at fault for the fact that your desires of each other are not able to be met by each other, right? Like, mm-hmm, it's just, mm-hmm. it's not that you were trying so hard and he said no to you or that you were trying or that you said no to him, right? It's just that you are two incompatible people coming together in this moment. And and mm-hmm. what's great is that you learned something from this, right? You learned that you want to have, um, you know, separate time. Like, you want to be able to listen to someone talk about something that they're really passionate about. You want to be able to learn something new from someone, um, and that is going to equip you to be able to find someone else in the future who is comfortable with that, right? Who is able to yeah. who is able to meet that expectation for you. Um, and this guy wasn't. And that's that's on him. That's not in any way on you. Yeah. And two more things. Like, one, um, you want, Desi, you want somebody to be invested in your interests just like you were willing to be invested in his. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked I liked the the labor that you did in this relationship because it to me shows me that you were open and that you were open hearted and that you were excitable and that you're willing to like experience life and experience new things, um, even though they might be out of your realm of comfortability or your experience. Um, and I love that. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say, so well, to finish that thought, you deserve somebody doing that for your interests, right? You deserve somebody um pursuing your hobbies and your interests to get closer to you it's just this this guy isn't that and that sucks but to to pull from sam let's flip the script and say it's not that you weren't enough for him it's that he's not compatible for you he he doesn't he can't give you what you want mm-hmm. um and then the second thing i wanted to say and i'm mostly interested in what sam thinks is that i think whenever i hear reasons why people want to break up or why people don't want to pursue a relationship i the cynic in me immediately thinks that they're they're lying (laughs) um yeah this is why words of affirmation never work for me yeah okay um so why uh 
do you think that this is just an easy way for him to be like, we're just not compatible? Because that's the other thing is that it's obvious that Desi is like, you know, like scanning her whole experience with this person to be like, wait a minute, what do you mean? I tried to be everything that you're telling me that you want in someone else. Um, And it might just be that like he needed something to say. And he's, to use that terrible quote, he's just like not into her like that or or has decided for whatever fucking reason he doesn't want to pursue a relationship. Or am I overthinking it and we should just take it for face value? Um, I would take it for face value because... Um, it doesn't change the outcome? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I think believing him makes it easier to process through this and like get over it yeah right? yeah maybe i shouldn't have said that desi i'm sorry <laughs> please don't go into like a inquisitive like spiral um about that because ultimately no matter what he said he didn't want to be in a relationship with you and that's painful and really hard but the more we resist that truth the more resistance there will be mm-hmm. yeah no and i think that that um I honestly think that he is telling the truth in that, right? I think that that he probably wants someone that's going to want to go hiking with him every day or like go mountain biking yeah. with him every day, which again right. is a is not an unreasonable thing to ask of a partner, right? Like we all have different rela- ideas of what compatibility and looks these. like, right? And that's okay. It just means that your definitions of compatibility weren't the same. And that means that like mm-hmm. it's good that you know that now because you don't want to be in a relationship with someone whose definition of compatibility is in at least like similar to yours, right? Isn't mm-hmm. at least, mm-hmm. you know, coming up against each other even if they're not exactly the same. Um and so I think it I think that this is just an a real situation of like, he's telling the truth about how he feels about this. Um, and I would take him at face value on that. Is he being classist in that? I think a little bit. And I think that you point that out really well in the beginning and like, mm-hmm. want to call that out that like, just want to, just want to affirm that the classism that you're seeing in there is, is real. Like I see it too. Um, and that that's also something to be mindful of too. Right. Like, so asking someone like, <laughs> How have you never done this before is like maybe something that we shouldn't ask about people when when they are experiencing a new thing, because uh, it, there might be multiple reasons why they haven't experienced that before. Um, and the mm-hmm. fact that you are shocked that they haven't had your exact same shared experience um, comes across as being very classist or racist or whateverist. Um, and so I think approaching people with curiosity in moments like that is probably the way to go um, to your boyfriend if he listens. To your ex-boyfriend, if he listens. <laughs> yeah. When I was, um, when I ran the summer camp, we would always say, like, don't yuck someone's yum. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, the idea of, like, don't yuck what people don't, you know, the non-high school version is, like, don't shit on what people um, enjoy. But in the same breath, we use that as the idea of, like, maybe just because you've experienced something a ton doesn't, uh, like a firefly thing like we use a firefly example because in when i first moved to minnesota a friend of mine there had never seen fireflies and i grew up with fireflies everywhere Mm. and if i were to say like oh my god what you've never seen fireflies before i cannot believe you have never seen firefly before 
it's like I'm dimming the the joy of that experience instead of saying, oh my God, I'm so excited. I get to experience this with you for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I get to share this with you sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, okay, Desi. Well, I think that uh, that pretty much covers our advice. We hope that you feel empowered after listening to this and recognize that e- even though it's, it is painful and it's painful to be left, ultimately we can find a bigger, greater lesson in it and we can, we can learn a- more about ourselves and our own needs through it. It's not that you aren't enough for him. It's that he's not enough for you. Mm. And you deserve somebody who, um, or he's not right for you, I should technically Yeah, say. right. He's, he's enough for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Damn my own head and heart work. <laughs> um, he should, uh, you deserve someone who is equally interested in your interests and your hobbies um, as you are in your partners. Desi, thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Anonymous. Who is anonymous? <laughs> who is writing from the void? Um, Anna writes, "Hi, Sierra and Sam. First of all, I would like to echo every adoring compliment that has been made by other letter writers towards you two. You're doing such important, meaningful work, and I'm so thankful for you every week. Okay, let's get into it. Recently, you discussed how to handle it when an ex has done some self-improvement and their new partner seems to reap the benefits that you never got to enjoy. But my situation turns this around. I'll explain. I've been dating a wonderful guy for four months now, monogamous from the get-go. From the start, he has clearly liked me and not played any games, staying consistent in communication and wanting to spend time with me, including introducing me to his friends, including me in important life events, etc., as someone with an anxious but moving towards secure attachment style, he really hasn't triggered my anxious brain much, and I've perceived him as being pretty secure. However, he does have slight hints of the avoidant attachment style, and he acknowledges them. Whenever he gets avoidant, usually triggered by stress because he is a med student, he will immediately recognize it and apologize and say that he doesn't want to be avoidant. What I struggle mm-hmm. with is this. He had a really healthy three-year relationship a while back in which he claims he was super secure. Other people in his life will back this up. From what he said, he did not feel avoidant at all with this girl, and if anything, it was his ex who was avoidant. After that relationship ended, he said he's been pretty avoidant with dating, keeping girls at an arm's length, and not letting anyone get too close. He says, I'm the first person since his long relationship that he hasn't wanted to be avoidant with. But the thing is, his avoidance is still prevalent in our relationship. Recently, when we started talking about labeling the relationship, boyfriend slash girlfriend, he said he was uncomfortable with it, but didn't know why. He said he really likes me and wants to keep dating me, but the simple act of a label made him feel avoidant. He said that none of that discomfort was personal towards me and is a problem he needs to work on. We ended up labeling things which like doesn't even matter. Why do we make labels a big thing? <laughs> and he said he will just get less com- less uncomfortable with it over time. But I can't help but feel a little sting. I'm a fucking catch and someone should be over the moon to be my boyfriend. When I told him that he reassured me that he's so lucky to be with me and thinks I am a fucking catch. And that has nothing to do with why he's uncomfortable. But I can't get out of my head about this. Mm-hmm. Someone in his past got the secure version of him. The one that was comfortable calling her girlfriend, the one that who didn't get distance when stressed. And here I am getting the more avoidant version of him, and I can't help but feel jealous of his ex. His self-awareness has made his avoidance really manageable and honestly made me like him even more because I can see that he's aware of how his avoidance could affect me. He's even read the attached book and initiated a discussion about it with me, saying that he doesn't like that he's avoidant and that being with me makes him want to be less avoidant but he doesn't really know where to start. I've suggested therapy and he's very open to it. 
My question is this. How do you cope with the fact that your partner has been a healthier version of themselves in previous relationships? How do you not take it personally and seethe in jealousy over their ex getting the younger, unscathed version of them? Am I making a big deal out of nothing? Thank you for advance in advance for any advice you might have. I truly value your opinions. Sending love and peace in this, in this clusterfuck that is 2020. Anna Anonymous. Uh, cheers to that, Anna. Um, yeah, this is a great question. Have you experienced anything like this where you feel like your partner was like more, not just secure, but like had it quote unquote more together or something like that? Uh, yeah, for sure. And he was a fucking asshole about it. (laughs) 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 What do we do? What do we talk about? Um, no, I dated somebody who, um, was very hurt by their ex um, and used uh. that as a tool to <laughs> excuse their um, borderline abusive behavior towards Should me. He... Um, yeah, totally. And like, and so, yeah, I was always, it was funny because I would always be so mad at the ex and be like, God, that ex did this to this person as opposed to being like, wow, this person is doing this to me, <laughs> right? Like, mm. um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, I get it. I I was like, I wish that I I wish that he loved me the way that he loves that ex. I wish that he um hadn't been damaged by that person so that I could get the full ham so that he could fully commit to me. Um and I think that this is my example is way more extreme than your example because like from what you wrote I don't see any like red flags because the person mm-hmm. that I dated was not nearly self-aware enough. No, he was self-aware. Um was not really uh at all willing enough to make changes. Um, or to move mm. towards what what he wanted to see of himself, um, mm-hmm. that it just became really toxic. I mean, it was toxic for other reasons, but that was, I mean, that was a huge part of it. Yeah, that's interesting. I love, I love, it's like painful to hear you talk about it, to say like that you, um, that you hated the ex more than you held your partner accountable. Mm-hmm. Um and you were saying like, oh, this ex got the whole version of him, the unscathed, to use an, an honest word, um, version. But I instantly remembered, you know, things that we've said in past episodes of like the the partner that you are with now is the par- is the whole partner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we say we can't, we don't date potential, but we don't, we also don't date like leftovers is, <laughs> is that the right phrase yeah, sure. you know what i mean like if potential is the uh not fully formed version what is the version of the person like formed but like you know crumbling a little or like like yeah, yeah leftovers the leftovers <laughs> that is it <laughs> like definitely that is incorrect and like no one else used that please outside of this moment but like sure let's go with that for right now <laughs> um yeah, so Anna, I don't think that I don't think that you're making a big deal out of nothing. Um, but I do think that you are you are you know mulling over a lot of things that are so far out of your control they are in the past (laughs) they are they are literally in another timeline not only are they in the past but they also have nothing to do with you right like it's not even your past it's like 
the past of this person yeah. and the way that another person treated that person in the past. Like we're getting like, yeah. when we're going concentric circles, we're like, we're out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And and we say this not to like call you out on anything, but actually so that you can start thinking a little bit more holistically and sustainably about the mental, um, you know, gymnastics that you're putting yourself through thinking about the potential of your ex in the past Mm -hmm. Um, and to, you know, we want to protect you from hurting yourself unnecessarily. Um, Your ex in the past, I don't want you to assume that you are getting the less healthy version of your ex. I know that he says, and I don't know, other people in his life says, say that he was more secure and like, just like was untainted by this cruel, cruel world before he met you. But he also didn't have the life experience that he has now. He doesn't have he doesn't he didn't have the tools in his emotional tool belt to be able to, I don't know, read the book attached and talk to you about it. I think that's a, a major green flag for, for me, sure. you yep. know, like a go ahead. Yep. Um, and I just I think that we like to tell ourselves stories about people and experiences to make those people and experiences uh, make more sense, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times the stories that we tell ourselves, they might be true or they might be parts of truth, but we tell ourselves them so that we feel like we have a grasp of an understanding of what's going on. And I think you are telling yourself a story about this perfect man that you, that used to exist mm-hmm. And now you don't have access to him. And I'm not saying that your instincts are wrong. I'm not saying that like some of this, like, I don't think you're doing anything inherently wrong by this. I just want to like kind of flip uh, the narrative around a little to be like, you don't, you don't know what it was like to date that guy back then. And he is who he is now. And that's who you are attracted to. That's who you're choosing to date. That's who is worth investing in this relationship with. And I just don't want to dis. It's like I don't want to discredit the the man that you have now, um, in contrast to this uh, this imaginary man in the past, because it that that past man is imaginary because he no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's real. I think that that um, that that focusing on the present is so critically important, and I think um, you know that is where our brains do us damage is by forcing us to either focus. Um, in the regrets or shame of the past yes. or in the fear of the so future, true. right? But you can't control the past and you can't control the future. All you can control is what you have in front of you. Um, and you have a person in front of you that seems to be making the right steps, um, seems to be uh, wanting to be in this relationship and is being honest about his discomfort in some of those things, which is like not necessarily a red flag, right? Like being honest about your discomfort is better than not talking about it, right? It's better than just right. being like seething in discomfort while pretending like everything is good, right? Um, and I think um, I think sometimes when we get really fixated on the past, what then begins to happen is that we ignore what's happening in the present to our detriment, right? Like yeah. Being, by being fixated on the past and thinking, wow, his ex did the made him this avoidant person. I wish that I had gotten the pre-avoidant person, blah, 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 means that you can't focus on what's happening right now, which is that you are dating a man who is avoidant, right? Not like extremely avoidant, but is avoidant. And by by going back into the past and trying to justify and explain and and um, absolve him of what he's doing, you're instead not looking at what is happening in front of you. And so you need to make a decision. Are you comfortable dating a man who is kind of avoidant, right? Like, 
Yeah. Like that's that's what it is. Like you can't That's what's at stake mm-hmm. here, yeah. And I think you can. Like don't be get me wrong, I don't think you should break up. But I think that that you are trying to fixate on the past so that you can avoid that question in yourself because that's a hard question to answer, right? Like if you're an anxious person and you're trying to get with someone who's even mildly avoidant, that's scary. That's really it's a challenge, right? And so instead of focusing on the challenge and acknowledging the fact that maybe you aren't perfectly compatible, right? Mm-hmm, you're instead mm-hmm. saying like, oh, but if only he weren't avoidant, then we would have no problems, right? But he is avoidant mm-hmm. and you have problems, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the only thing you can do to address those problems is here in this moment. And it sounds like you right. are doing that, but even addressing those problems doesn't mean that they miraculously go away, right? It doesn't mean right. that there isn't still work that has to happen in the relationship. And I, I think that what you're doing, and I think what a lot of us are doing, are trying to find that sort of like imaginary world where the problem is immediately fixed without the requirement of showing up, being vulnerable, realizing that he's going to have conversations where he's like, I'm uncomfortable calling this girlfriend and boyfriend. You're going to have to sit in that and be like, yeah, huh, okay. Don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. How does that make me? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Cool. I What I wish I could do is just go back and, and date the person that you were three years ago, because that would solve the problem <laughs> immediately in my head, right? Yeah, yeah. That is just such our, that, that's our brain's way of trying to protect ourselves. Absolutely. You know, it's like, yeah. Um, I also want to add to, I, I love everything you just said and, and sort of like adding to it. Um, I I want to add that another thing about these attachment styles is I think nine times out of 10, they are, they are meant to be worked through over time to be, you know, to move towards secure, to secure. Right. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like what Sam says, you have to make the decision of whether or not you want to be with somebody who has a mildly avoidant attachment style. And if you choose yes, then I I think it's important for you to move into this newly established determined relationship. Um not like settling for uh any not settling, right? But understanding that this is the partner that you're you're willing to grow and work with. Mm-hmm. Um and that uh you know, just like your triggers, like sometimes it takes us a long time and a lot of work and a lot of life to 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 get to those balanced stable places. And I say that because you have a line in here about um uh him saying that he wants to be less avoidant but he doesn't really know how to start and that you suggested therapy. Everybody deserves to go to therapy. That's just a something that should be um more accessible. Everybody should have that life experience. But I I also I'm not sure if that like Sam and I always say go to therapy, right? Everybody should do that. And I'm not saying don't do that. But I am wondering, like, a lot of our attachment um, styles are heavily influenced by the relationships that we are in and the practice that we get in life, right? Mm -hmm. And I wonder, too, like, how can you two as a couple, as um, teammates and not opponents, um, tackle this problem together? as you move forward in your relationships. I'm not saying don't go to therapy. I'm just like, I'm wondering how we can dethrone this problem to, to bring it to the present, to bring it to something that is manageable, um, addressable, and, and something that you know that you might have to work on for the next couple of years if you're with this partner long-term. And, and like, do you want to do that period? Um, but also like that, 
we just like it's easier to trust trustworthy people, it's easier to be secure with secure, <laughs> trustworthy people. Yeah. Um, like over time, right? Um, does that make sense? The point I'm trying to make that like I'm not against him going to therapy, but part of it is just living, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's both and, right? Like he can go to therapy mm, and address mm-hmm. some of the trauma that it seems like he went through with his last relationship, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Right. And also you're right that um that this is something that you all are going to have to work on together. It's not just his problem to fix. It is two people right. coming together with a level of incompatibility that they want to work on together to be able to get right. to a point where they can work through it, right? Um, right. And I think I love what, like, it's easy to be secure in a relationship when you're dating a secure person, right? And it is easy to be mm-hmm. avoidant in a relationship when you're dating a person with anxious attachment style. Like, it is easy yeah. to fall into those two things, Right. Like, and so this is something, and I say that in a way to say that, like, I, I think that this is something that a lot of people go through and that you have the capability to be able to work through together. Um, while both of you are working on yourselves separately and working on the relationship together. Um, and I think you can do it. Like, I don't think I, this yeah, is not I think you can do everything that you've talked about. Like, I'm just like, yeah, these seem like, these seem like green flags to me. Like he's willing to talk about it. Yeah, he's being green open flags, and yep. honest and like. Yeah, he's working on it. Therapy, I think, would be another tool that he can use to help him show up in this relationship in the way that you that he wants to. And I think therapy for you also could be a tool for you to be yeah. able to show up in this relationship in the way that you want to. Um, but I also just want to say, like, in answer to your question of why do we make labels a big deal, <laughs> I want to say because they are a big deal, right? Like, Yeah, go there. No, I just, like... I when that was the one moment where I was like, oop, I can feel that anxious attachment style coming out, which is to like question your own your own understanding of what you want in a relationship, right? Like it's not a bad thing for you to want a label on your relationship. Like labels are how we understand things. Labels give us shared definitions so that we know what the rules of engagement are. We know how to approach each other, right? So like the fact yeah. that you wanted a boyfriend girlfriend label is like totally normal. <laughs> it's like not mm-hmm. not at all an unreasonable request. And what I think is great about that is that your boyfriend saw that, recognized his own discomfort in it, didn't quite know why he was uncomfortable, but said, yes, I know that labels are important. And so I'm going to commit to this and I will grow to be more comfortable with it. Like, mm-hmm. I I have so much respect for him in that moment to say like, to think outside of himself, like acknowledge that this is what you're asking for, being willing to do it, being vulnerable and being honest and saying like, I'm uncomfortable with this, but I'm super committed to figuring out how to be more comfortable in it. Like, and then actually showing up and doing the work. What else, like what yeah. else can we ask for? Like that, like that is just you know such what's a so funny beautiful though? moment. No, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're my co-host <laughs> because you know what's funny is like I read that and I immediately felt panic. I was like, oh, God, what does that mean? But because that's because I am a chronically anxious attached person <laughs> who always who always fears, you know, um, that if people if I show my true self to someone or if my someone shows their true self to me, it, it, it will equate to unlovability. Mm-hmm. Right. And or like something like that. And so I guess this is a perfect, perfect example for Anna to stop and think, wow, just like you said, look at all of this honesty and and transparency and and work that he's doing 
to be present right now in the now, not in the past, not in the future mm-hmm. with me. Um, and how can I show up in the same vulnerable, present way, which is inherently to believe what he's telling me. For sure. Right. And that, to- Yeah. No, actually. Absolutely. And I actually think that the way that he handled that <laughs> indicates a very secure attachment style, right? Mm, An avoidant mm-hmm. person wouldn't have said, I'm uncomfortable with this label and I'm not sure why. An avoidant person would have oh, just dang. left the room, right? Would have said <laughs> yes to it, not explained why, and then not texted you for like the next three weeks, yeah. right? Totally. So, and I think, and that's what I want to challenge you on a little bit is that I think for for folks who are anxiously attached, sometimes secure attachment styles feel like avoidant ones because it because you're not getting the the oh dang son <laughs> right like i'm just processing that uh, because you're not getting yeah th- because your brain is telling you your understanding of relationships is telling you that you need more and more and more and more and more without any sort of any sort of pushback without any sort of step back right like anxious is like i need you to tell me that or you love me all not- the time right <laughs> yeah for for me too it's like if there's not work involved if it comes easy then it must be false, mm. right? Like if, if I didn't earn your love, then how can it be true? For sure. Yep. Right? If I didn't have to go through all these gymnastic moves to earn your love with you and your weird avoidant or abusive or whatever dynamic, then then a secure love to me looks too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's real. Yeah, that was a great point, Sam. Okay, um, Anna, 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 Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> Anonymous, um, thank you so much for writing. We hope um, this helps. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much. And to anybody who's wondering if we didn't lose you already, um, we've been talking about attachment styles over the past couple episodes. I mean, several times over the past two years. But if you're interested, you can find a ton of information on, the, on attachment styles on the internet or from the book attached. Okay. Last letter. It's from Miss Connections, no, singular, Miss Connection, uh, who is writing from the country of confusion. Hi, Sam and Sierra. In May, I started hooking up with a guy that I met on a dating app. He was upfront about his intentions and told me that he was only in town visiting from Denmark for a short period of time. I told him I was cool with a casual hookup, and so for the next six weeks, we had sex regularly. Turns out he's a pretty great dude, and we got into some pretty deep conversations. Before I knew it, he told me it was time for him to go back. He's American, but is studying uh, for his master's degree in Denmark. I told him that I was sad to see him go, and not just because I would miss the sex we were having, but because I would miss his company as well. I also expressed to him that I was worried that, like so many other times, he would we would eventually stop talking to each other, or that I would want to talk to him more than he would want to talk to me, and I would annoy him with my constant text. He assured me that this would not happen. So far, it hasn't. We talk pretty regularly, and we are open with each other about uh, us hooking up with other people since we've last seen each other. About a week ago, he randomly asked me what I thought about us being in a relationship. This threw me off a little because I didn't realize that this was something he was interested in. I told him that I would really like that, but was hesitant because we live across the world from each other. I asked him what his thoughts were, and his response was, well, I really want to have some threesomes before I die, and I know you've said that isn't something you're interested in, but I think I would really like it. A relationship with you, that is. 
I told him that I was scared that he would find some beautiful European woman and decide that he liked her better and would dump me. To that he replied, I don't know what to say. I tried to press a little bit more and he just stopped and apologized for bringing it up and completely changed the subject. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since. I know it would be difficult, but I think I want to see if we can make it work. We've talked about before how I only really hook up with guys because when my last serious boyfriend broke up with me, it really affected my confidence and I went to therapy about it and have found my confidence in myself again. But I want to try with him. I don't want to think when I'm old, man, I wish I would have seen where it, it would have led to with this guy. So my question is, how do I start this conversation again in such a way that conveys that I just want to open the dialogue and not make any quick or rash decisions? But then again, I'm also afraid that if it all goes wrong, I could lose someone that I really enjoy having in my life. I'd really love your thoughts. All my love. All right, Miss Connection, thank you so much for writing. Sam, Mm -hmm. what's your take? Uh, My take is... Missed connection. Go for it. What are you waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? What are you doing? Life is too You're short. Missing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I I think we specifically chose this letter because of the little interaction happening. <laughs> yeah. In that when when the when the the boy was like or when the man was like, um, do you want to be in a relationship with me? And you're like, I don't know, but what if you dump me? (laughs) (laughs) That's a very, very accurate summation of what happened. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, we are, we're not making fun of you, but I wanted to pull that out, Misconnection, because that is what Sam and I would like to call a fear-based anxious reaction. Because you are, you are basically asking him to promise you to prove to you somehow across space and time and the universe that he will never, ever hurt you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is something that he, uh, he just cannot. I mean, I actually respect the fuck out of his answer. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what to say. No, <laughs> <because> honestly. <laughs> he was trying. And, and here's a little bit of tough love. Um, he was trying to be vulnerable with you. And he was trying to start this relationship. and um you took his vulnerability and said, um, but what if you hurt me? Can you promise me? Can you prove to me that you'll never hurt mm-hmm. me? And he's like, I, uh, I can't do that. Right. Like, I don't know what to say. Um, and you didn't make any mistakes in this situation, but I wanted to point this out because, um, you're, you're asking for a level of safety and security that life is just never going to promise mm-hmm. you. It is, it is like Sam always says, like you, people can always leave us. Mm -hmm. People can always fall out of love with us. People can always cheat on us, right? Like we want to move throughout the world as though that's never going to happen. And to a certain extent, we can feel secure in a lot of those things, but, but we just cannot control life. We cannot control other people. For sure. So beyond sam and i thinking that you should go for it with this guy more importantly i think we want to kind of remind you that part of your healing is not healing to a point where everything is perfect and nothing hurts anymore Mm. your healing is getting to a place where you know that you are strong enough within yourself 
um, to face some of life's inevitable hardships um, and and not and not have everything come crumbling down because of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, having been the recipient of someone being like, I feel like I'm afraid you're just going to like leave me for someone better or like, you know, I I feel like you're you're going to dump me because you're going to see like some hot new thing come on. Like I found it hurtful. Like I found it um, mm. because it was like, wow, you're such an asshole that the second that someone who is prettier than me walks by, you're going to dump me. Right. Like, well, it's, yeah. And it's not just an ass. I'm so glad you brought up that example. Cause I was trying to articulate it from the letter, but I can perfectly articulate it from yours. It's that you were being vulnerable. And that person's response was saying, um, I don't trust your vulnerability and I don't trust your love. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And and what a way to close. I, I'm not surprised he, did, he changed the subject because he probably felt pretty rejected yeah. in a mm-hmm. way, right? For sure. I think that that's definitely true, which is, but that doesn't mean that the, this yeah. door is permanently barred it's and closed, right? <laughs> it's definitely not. And I definitely think, not. And I, I wanted to talk about that bit because I want you to go into your next conversation with the best tools that you have in your tool belt in mm-hmm. order to have this conversation mm-hmm. in a way that's going to be vulnerable and is going to acknowledge and hopefully help you see how he might be feeling about this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Because the more you can empathize with sort of the way that he may be reacting to some of the things that you said and the way that conversation went will help you be able to broach the conversation and say like, you know, I know that the way that I reacted wasn't great and the way and I might have hurt your feelings by the way that I reacted. Mm-hmm. But I am interested in having this conversation and will commit to being exploring this in a more vulnerable way than the way that I initially reacted. Right. Yep. Exactly. And also you can and this is a, this is an opportunity um, misconnection. This is an opportunity for you to to become closer while far apart for you to know each other more deeply and intimately and authentically. Uh, I, I don't think you made any mistake here because I also think we, we get to know people by like stumbling through what it means to be a human, right? Mm -hmm. You did the best you could in that one conversation. Mm -hmm. And now you can look back and think, you know what? Those actions didn't reflect my authentic feelings and desires. Even more so, I know that if I want to reach those deeper connections, that good, true love, I have to put myself out there. I have to risk heartbreak Mm -hmm. and I have to risk vulnerability in order to receive that type of connection that I'm seeking. Those two are inevitably tied, right? Um, uh, The risk of heartbreak and love. Those two things, they are conjoined twins right they they one does not go anywhere without the other and i cannot you know i cannot go into this upcoming marriage with my partner without knowing that i'm going into it with risk Mm -hmm. yep right isn't that true yeah all relationships are risk like you can't you cannot control what another person does or what another person thinks or what another person feels, right? You can't even sometimes control what you think or feel, right? Mm. Like, Oh my God, say it again, right? sis. And I think that there, that like a really hot guy could walk by you and you could decide that this man isn't mm-hmm. in your life anymore. And that's what life is. Like that is, we can never guarantee every circumstance. We can only ever just commit with our, with what we have right now 
in our tool belt in front of us, we can only commit to continuing to try and make this work. We can never commit to for forever. Mm-hmm. We can never commit to this is going to work out perfectly. We can never commit to I'm never going to hurt you. We can only commit with what we have right now to be able to say like, I know that I can't control the future, but I want to try with you. I want to try and figure out what this looks like with you. And I think that that's, that's really challenging and it, it's risk. It yes. requires risk and it requires you're, vulnerability. Um, and, and I admire you're tapping into like some really true hard humanness for sure. What you're talking about right now, Sam. Yep. Yeah. And missed connection. I feel I am excited for you that you now have the opportunity to try out that risk. And I think find ways to find strength in the unknowable, right? To find strength Mm. in the fact that you can't control every circumstance and yet you can still find love and joy in partnership with another person. And that if, if this doesn't work out and you lose this person in your life, how lucky are you to have had this person in your life at all, right? Mm. Absolutely. And I love, I would love for you to refer to some of the things Sam said earlier as a script for how you can take now how you can take these new tools and this new understanding that you have from the, that you've gained from this experience to to deepen your connection with this person and shoot your shot and also to what Sam said like y'all don't have to like determine the relationship right now you don't have to say yes let's be monogamous or let's be together I, you know you can you can just it's just as important for you to say hey, I kind of messed up in that conversation. I want to I try again. As it is for you to say, I was hurt really badly and part of me is still really scared of relationships, but I don't, want let that, I don't want that fear to stop me from pursuing something that might be really good. So if you can be patient with me, I would love to explore what this relationship could look mm-hmm. like. And I think that that could look like piece is really important um, and could be really helpful for you. Right. Like before you dive into this, you can you can start to have questions about or have conversations about what the parameters of this relationship are going to look like. Right. Especially because you are apart from each other, especially because this is sort of new and you've been sort of like hooky uppy friends who also tell each other about their Mm -hmm. hookups. Like, right. What are some of the rules? Is it that you are monogamous? Like, how often are you going to talk? How often are you going to see each other? Like, I think having this conversation about what the relationship could look like is such an opportunity because I feel like a lot of us don't get to like sit down with our partners and be like, what could this look like? Instead, we just sort of like bumble towards each other and then like emerge hopefully in some sort of like shared understanding (laughs) of what our our rules are. Uh, Oh yeah. But like you have the opportunity. That's how babies are made. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, it is. Thank God that I can't get anyone (laughs) pregnant. Um, at least anyone that <laughs> no, I would you definitely can. At least anyone yeah, that I would go. ever have sex with pregnant. Um, yeah, there you go. No offense. Um, <laughs> right. So, like, you have this opportunity to really talk about like a hopeful vision for the future, and that is so lacking right now. <laughs> that like you, it's how wonderful for you that you get to like sit down with this person that you have these real feelings for and that you really like, and be able to say like, what could this look like? What hope could we have mm. for this awesome relationship? how can we get there? What are the things that we need to do to do it? And I just like, I love that idea. And I just, I like, it gives me hope to think that like, we can still have these types of conversations just given everything that has happened personally and worldwide in the past 
Totally. Seven months or whatever. What do you what do you wish? And this might be way too personal, so feel free to be like, on to blind date. <laughs> um, but what do you wish you could have said? Like, what do you wish you could have gotten on the same page about maybe with Peter or even like in a past relationship? Because you're talking about something really powerful. Mm-hmm. You're talking about like establishing um, as best we can in the moment, mm-hmm. right? Because we can't predict the future and we can't change the past. Establishing um, a, a more transparent, vulnerable understanding of expectations moving forward at the beginning, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> I think if Peter and I had talked about how we liked each other, we wouldn't have waited like seven <laughs> months to date, uh, which would have been wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. But I think, I think it would have saved us a lot of anxiety and hardship if we had talked more about what our expectations were for like how often we would see each other. Um, yeah. And and I mean that in a way of like the way that like how often we saw each other was fine. It was the fact that I think that both of us were in our heads about like, is this enough? Like is the other person happy about it? Totally. And the fact that we, we didn't have the opportunity in the beginning of our relationship to like be vulnerable and say like, I'm scared about this. Let's continue. Like, let's commit to continue to continuing to talk about our feelings about these things and trust what the other Mm -hmm. person is saying. So that, and we have learned that 100%, like, and it makes everything right, so right, much easier. Right. Through labor, yeah. Right? But if we had learned that at the beginning, we could have had those types of conversations that would have gotten us, which I think would have saved us a lot of, a lot of anxiety and grief if we had just been like, I'm feeling really good about how often we're seeing each other. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling really good about that? Right? And like, mm-hmm. no, we never did that. And so we just sort of like bumbled through Literally. it until like he was talking to friends about how we move in together. I and mean, it was already in my head that we were going to move in together. And if it was just like, if we had right. just like nee, sat down and talked to yeah, each other. totally. <laughs> and I love that. I thank you for sharing. Yeah, no. And I think everything has worked out. And like, it's, it's like I said, it's so much easier to be able to do that now. And it just, it solves so yeah. many more problems, but I would have loved the opportunity to be practiced in that when we started dating. And then I absolutely was not. I know. And I wonder, I mean, I do to everyone's credit, really. I think what you said is true is that so much of that stuff unfolds in time and experience. Mm-hmm. And like you got there, it, it truly doesn't matter the path, but the head and heart work is about trying to shorten those paths, shorten the resistance or, or lessen the resistance, mm-hmm. um, lessen the struggle in the future. Like that's what these tools that we're putting in our tool belt are all about. For sure. So. And to be clear, like we still, it's not always perfect. We, there yeah, are still some things that we like struggle to talk about, right? Um, of so I don't want to make us seem like we're perfect and that everyone else is not. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. Okay, Miss Connection, we hope that this helps and we hope that you find a newer, truer level of vulnerability with yourself and potentially with this special person. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, this brings us to the blind date segment of our show. Every episode, we want to shout out something we think is awesome that we want to set you up with. And this week, we want to send you home with... A documentary called Disclosure, Trans Lives on Screen. Um, It's available Mm. on Netflix. um, And it is about um, the visibility of of trans folks in um, cinema and on television 
Um, and it was it was super interesting. Um, there were a lot of folks in it that folks would recognize, which I was super excited about. Um, mm. But what I think was most impactful for me, and I think what I learned that that was sort of an aha moment for me was that um, my experience with like with gay visibility has always been positive, right? Like I look at Will and Grace mm. and think like, oh, those were stereotypes of people, but like Will and Grace paved the way for us to have more nuanced conversations about what it means to be gay men. Um, and what I think is really interesting about this is that, um, a lot of the, the, the trans folks that they talk with talk about how the visibility of trans folks in television right now and on, in movies is, and has been always so problematic mm-hmm. that it doesn't actually help. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually move the conversation forward because right. trans folks are depicted as being, um, tricksters, trans folks are being depicted as people who uh, can and should be murdered, right? And just mm-hmm. the fact that there is so little trans visibility that is positive, that is actually a reflection of the reality of trans lives, um, was was really impactful for me. And and listening to, um, you know, trans men talk about boys don't cry, right? And being like, this was the first mm-hmm. time I ever saw myself, and was like, oh, there are like there are more people like me. And so like watch that person be brutally murdered, and then having mm-hmm. Hillary Swank win the Oscar for it and be like, this is like, great. My only understanding of other trans people is that we are people who get mm. murdered. Right. Um, yeah, that is so, and real. it was just like, I was watching it and um, just had this moment of, Oh shit. Like this is my understanding of this is completely different than the reality of it. Um, and I, and I'm so appreciative of moments like that. So I am thankful that I had the opportunity to watch it. It's available on Netflix. Again, it's called Disclosure Trans Lives on Screen. Can't wait to watch that. Great suggestion. Thanks, Sam. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's Patreon. Holy shit. (laughs) I know, right? Sorry. (laughs) Uh, That's Patreon.com slash JustBreakUpPod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording, editing, and producing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, you cannot change the past and you cannot control the future. Nothing is truly promised to us except for the now. Being present is the only true path to freedom and clarity which you both deserve. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>